everyone. Welcome to episode 141, Addressing the Anger. Meet our mom, Kelly Hutchison. She is a life coach. She is a child counselor. She is a teacher. She's a parent coach. And she's a mom to us. She will teach you to stop yelling at your kids. She will teach you to get your kids to lesson. She will teach you how to never sleep with mommy guilt again. She will teach you how to be an imperfect mom. So you can help your kids be imperfect too. And have harmony in the home. Hey y'all. So why am I saying y'all? <laughs> so I asked you all on Facebook which I love asking you questions because this is our podcast and I love getting your feedback of what's going on in your home and what are your frustrations, what are your pain points. The more you tell me, the more I can help you and address those. And I was shocked, shazocked of the chazane about how similar all the answers were. And I said, what is the hardest emotion for your kids to feel? I thought it was gonna be a myriad of answers like embarrassment, disappointment, sadness, loneliness, and it was anger, frustration, anger, 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 frustration, anger, frustration, anger, anger, anger. I was like, oh, okay, we need to address the anger. Why is my voice doing that? Not really sure, just happened. So one way to address the anger, and this is gonna feel super counterintuitive when your kids are losing their minds, but I want you just to give it a chance because I promise you put this in your tool belt, pull it out when you need it the most, and it works time and time again. You want to agree with their emotion. A lot of times we see our kids angry, disappointed, frustrated, and they're just seeing red and we want to talk them out of it. We want to convince them that they shouldn't feel that emotion when they're feeling the emotion. So like if they're scared about the boogeyman, oh, you're fine, you're fine. If they're nervous about a game, oh, you're fine, you're fine. You're not really feeling that. They're angry about not getting their toy. Oh, you're fine, there's plenty of toys. We wanna make it all better. So what I want you to practice and what I practice every day is getting comfortable with your kids feeling uncomfortable and not always having to solve for it because this is part of the human experience. You will build connection when you agree with the emotion. However, with a capital H, that does not mean you agree with the behavior. Please make sure that's very, very clear. I'm not saying it's okay to do X, Y, Z. I'm saying the emotion is okay. And once you allow the emotion to be okay and you agree with the emotion, then you can get them back into green zone, which is where they're calm and they're in their right frame of mind. They're not in the cray-cray part of the brain, which I've gone to many times. So we're not judging the kids for going in the cray-cray part of the brain. We go there too every single stinking honking day. Well, I do. I don't know about you. I feel angry every day. I feel frustrated every day. Not all day, but parts of my day, just like your kids will. So the more that we can see emotion in our own life and normalize it for ourselves, we can normalize it for them. The more we allow the emotion, the behavior gets better organically. You're like, what are you talking about? This sounds great, but what do I do when they're screaming in my face? You don't scream back. You don't join the reindeer games. They are mirroring your energy. So we just stay calm to get them to get back to green. It's very hard to do, but our kids don't know how to get there without our help. So we have to go first. 
So for the little kids, some things that might make them feel angry. I know when my kids were little, little, like the toddler range, it seemed like they got mad about everything. Like if I gave the wrong sippy cup color, their face turned bright red and they had smoke coming out of their ear. I'm like, chill girl, chill boy. What's the big deal? Or lots of drama with the banana. Banana drama. Do you guys have banana drama in your house? I know I did. I don't anymore because they're 11 and 13 now. But boy, did we have some banana drama because sometimes they liked it peeled. Sometimes they wanted it not peeled. Sometimes they wanted to peel it. Sometimes they wanted to hold the peel while the banana was poking out. Sometimes they wanted to have the banana peeled all the way and then they wanted it sliced, but they couldn't be sliced in half. They wanted them in small slices so they could pick it up. Like it, it didn't matter. Like it was literally like the shell game. So I was walking on eggshells thinking that I needed to step around and not ever have them feel upset because if they felt upset, then that meant I was failing as a parent. If they ever felt angry or frustrated, then that means I was failing as a parent. So I tried to tiptoe around them to never have them frustrated or angry. I was feeling a cray cray because then I was the one walking on eggshells instead of being okay that they're angry and frustrated and that they cry. Being okay with it because it's a human emotion that they're going to have for the rest of their life. It's nothing to be scared about and it's no reflection of you. When your kids are happy, it's no reflection of you. When your kids are sad, it's no reflection of you. When your kids are frustrated, it's no reflection of you. But that's what the ego wants to do. It wants to use your kids as evidence for how you're doing as a parent. I promise on a stack of Bibles, I tried that for five years and that's why I was on the cray cray cycle. I thought that if I just did everything just right, then I would have happy kids. And if my kids were happy, then that meant I was doing a good job as a parent. Although when they got upset, I would get upset because when they were happy, I felt like a good mom. And when they were sad or frustrated or angry or throwing blocks, then guess what? The opposite happened. I felt like a bad mom. Good mom, bad mom was all in the hands of my one and three-year-old. <laughs> that was a bad idea. When they're a little bit older, they get frustrated and angry about other things like their homework. Maybe it's too much homework. Maybe it's too hard. Maybe it's too boring. Maybe it's all of the above. They get frustrated when they try a new sport because the sport is hard. I'm taking golf lessons right now. I feel like I'm back in kindergarten learning how to read. It is so hard and so fun and so challenging and all the things all at once. <laughs> you know what also makes them angry and frustrated when they're little? It's their siblings. Their siblings or their friends that come over for play dates or their cousins. They make them frustrated and angry when they don't share, when they take their toys or when they sit on their stuffed animal. When they're a little bit older, late elementary, middle school, they're going to feel frustrated and angry with their peers, with their friendship circle. Still might be sports, still might be homework. Who's sitting at the lunch table with who? That's a big deal. They're going to learn all sorts of hard concepts in school. That's going to be hard and frustrating. If it's been easy for them, all of a sudden, whoa, it's hard all of a sudden. It's been easy my whole life. Now, all of a sudden, it's hard. What's going on? Then when they get older, like in the teens, the social media pressures, are you kidding me? It's insane in the membrane. They might be getting peer pressure to try things that they shouldn't be doing, but they want to fit in. So these are all things that they're going to experience. And underneath all of it is anger and frustration when it doesn't go their way. Now, I don't know about you, but I get angry and frustrated when things don't go my way. So we can have empathy and compassion for that emotion. It's very hard because we all want control. They want control, we want control. And then if they want control, they're called strong-willed. But if we're called a strong-willed parent, then all of a sudden they're being disrespectful. 
Do you see the hypocrisy that we do with our kids? I do it all the time. So I'm not pointing fingers and saying nana nana boo boo. I'm opening up and normalizing it for all of us because the same things that make them angry and frustrated are the same things that make us angry and frustrated. Just the things that make us angry and frustrated are a little bit different, but we all know what feeling angry and frustrated feels like. It's usually because we're out of control. We don't have control. Something didn't go our way. People don't do what we want them to do. It's so frustrating. Why can't they just be a video game and just do the things that we tell them to do with our remote control? That's not the real world. So we let go of that control to get some of our control back. Say, what? That sounds backwards. That's suspicious. You know that TikTok sound? So I thought about things that make us angry and frustrated are the same things that make our kids frustrated just in proportion to their age and their stage. So like when they're upset about the sippy cup being a wrong color, have you ever been at Starbucks and you leave the drive-thru and the order is wrong and you have the wrong drink? It's the same anger and frustration that they have about the sippy cup. We have if someone gets our order wrong or if we've had our, ever had our groceries delivered and they deliver the wrong groceries or the grapes are bad or the fruit they picked was horrible. You're thinking, what are you thinking? And that's what they're thinking to us when we peel a banana wrong. They're saying, what are you thinking? They don't have word power when they're little, little. So they just scream and cry. That's the only way they can articulate how they're feeling. When they're frustrated and sad and disappointed or angry about all the homework they have, we feel that same way when we have a lot of work to bring home from work. Or we have a lot of papers to grade when I was teaching. Or we have a lot of emails to catch up on. It might be sports for them where they're feeling angry and frustrated, but we probably feel frustrated and angry at work. So we know what that feels like. We know what anger and frustration feels like. They get frustrated with their siblings. We might get frustrated with our spouse. Or you might get frustrated with your parents or your in-laws. Or angry at your brother or your sister or your brother-in-law or your sister-in-law. Do you see how when we relate it to ourselves and when we feel angry and frustrated, it's so much easier to help our kids through it? Because it's a human emotion. We might not have a lunch table to sit at, but there's been some barbecues I'm sure you haven't been invited to. You're like, wait a minute, I thought we were beef fries. Why didn't she invite me to that barbecue? What's going on? Hard concepts at school are hard for them. If we're ever starting a new job, all that on-the-job training, that's hard. That's frustrating. What's going on? We have a pushy boss. The peer pressure that they feel as a teen to do things that they shouldn't be doing or don't want to do, but they want to fit in might be the same way that we feel when we are comparing and we're looking at other people and, oh my goodness, they go on so many vacations and they have such a beautiful house and I'm such a loser. We compare and then we go into despair because comparison is the thief of joy. So they're doing the same thing when they're trying to fit in because they're just trying to be normal. And so many parents always ask me, is this normal? What they're doing is this normal? And I always say yes, because they're doing it. The as is of it is normal because they're doing it. It's like saying, is it normal to rain at Disney World? Well, is it raining at Disney World? Then that's how you'll know if it's normal to rain at Disney World. But when we argue with reality, that's where we get jammed up. And accepting the as is of what is happening with your child in the as is moment is gonna give you so much freedom because then you're not pushing back against what's happening. And then you're really showing up to the rainy Disney World. We have anger. We have frustration. We get too many emails. We have a husband or a wife or a girlfriend or a boyfriend that gets on our nerves and bothers us and takes things that without asking or doesn't put things back. Sometimes we feel like no one's listening to us and that's how our kids feel. Sometimes they feel like no one's listening to them. We get stressed by clutter. They get stressed by always having to be go, 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 go. So when we know that about our kids, then we can lean into that. And when they're going into the red zone or the yellow zone, instead of trying to talk them out of it, Saying something along the lines of, it looks like you're feeling very angry. I feel that way sometimes too. And then give them a story of when you were angry. I'm sure you have.
have a lot of examples. I know I do. And kind of just have like a Rolodex of stories to have on hand for all the different emotions based on their age. And then ask your kids. When I'm talking to you about my feelings or you can kind of see what resonates with them. So the best way to tame their anger is when they go into the yellow or red zone without mocking them, without shaming them, without making them feel guilty for having a human emotion. What they're telling to you is mom, dad, greedy, goody, grandpappy, I'm having human emotion and I don't know what to do about it. So I am just going to explode like a volcano because that's all I've been taught to do from birth. And so you're going to teach them more strategies by modeling and embodying what you want them to absorb from you. When you see them going into the yellow or red zone or when they're scared or when they're nervous or where they're feeling anxiety or where they're feeling frustrated or they're feeling overwhelmed or they're feeling X, Y, Z, a good way to diffuse that so there's not so much tug of war is to agree with the emotion and normalize the emotion. You've already detached the ego. You're going to pretend like this child is someone else's child in that moment. For me, it helps to think of them as being a child from God, a child that is on loan from God to me and I'm just babysitting. It might help you to think of them as your niece or nephew, or it might help you to think of them as a student in your classroom. Or if you have more than one child and one child doesn't trigger you as much, you might pretend like they're that child in that moment. And and try to look inside yourself and figure out why this child brings up so much for you. And then the other child does the same thing and you're not as highly reactive. Not from a place of judgment of shame, but just like, huh, that's so curious. Is it because of their age? Is it their gender? Is it their temperament? Is it that I see so much of myself and them and that's triggering to me? Just get really curious and not mad at them, not mad at yourself. You get curious, not furious, because then you can connect before you want to correct. Because when you can connect on the emotion, then it's much easier to correct the behavior because you're going to bring them back to green. And when they're in green, then they're talking like rational human beings. It allows us to get back into green too. Because when we are in yellow and red, we can't think clearly. Just like when they're in yellow red, they can't think clearly. So we have empathy and compassion for when they go in these zones versus stop it, get over it because it's not about us when they are having a tricky emotion. It's about they don't know how to manage that emotion because they haven't been taught any skills or they're still learning those skills because you're like, I've already been over this. I've already been over this. We go over it again and again, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. There is no finish line. This is a journey. There is no destination. And once you manage and master one age level, I promise on a stack of Bibles, they will change and they will adjust and then you're going to pivot and move. And it's like doing double Dutch jump ropes. But how you do one thing is how you do all the things. So when you can normalize it by saying and labeling what you see them feeling and just one simple sentence, feeling overwhelmed, feeling angry, And try to get under the anger of what other emotion they might be feeling. You don't want to throw a bunch of emotions out there. Agree with the emotion to kind of pull them and get them back to green because then there's not so much tug of war. Because when they're telling you they're scared and then you're like, no, you're not, you're fine. That's where the tug of war comes in. That's where it gets escalated because they don't feel seen. They don't feel heard. They feel like you don't get them. And I only know this from experience. So once they feel like you get them, then from that spot, you can kind of normalize a little bit. Like, oh, I felt angry before. I felt frustrated before. I felt overwhelmed before. I felt disappointed before. I felt lonely and left out before. 
There is so much power in storytelling with our kids and here's why. Because you can backdoor the lessons that you want to teach them without sounding like Charlie Brown's teacher. Because if I have a conversation with my kids or my students or anything like that, they would literally tune me out like wah, 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 wah. Here she goes with her lecture. Here goes she goes with her nagging. Here she goes with her life lesson. My kids are always making fun of me. Oh, here she comes as a life coach. You can teach the lessons that you want to teach through the back door because the child is not the main character. You are the main character or the person who beat you up on the playground is the main character. So they can learn through other characters that are not themselves because whenever we start talking about you, 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 they get defensive, a wall goes up, here she goes again, here he goes again, and they shut it down before you even get all the good stuff out. A motivation for the storytelling of when you felt angry, frustrated, disappointed, lonely, upset, overwhelmed, whatever the emotion is, is that you can teach them what you want to teach them in that moment because you're in the green zone and then you get to add your own spice and flair and you get to unlearn a lot of the things and you get to reteach it in a way that makes sense for you as you're teaching it to them. And in that process, you can almost heal that old wound in current time by talking to them and having you as the main character or the bully as the main character or the person that made you feel left out as the main character. And you can get those lessons in and they don't even realize it because you're going in the back door where they're not gonna feel so defensive and walls up and here she goes again. So it's a win-win for everybody involved. It's kind of like when they're playing a game on the computer and they think they're playing a game on the computer, but they're really doing phonics or they're really learning about story sequence or about main characters, but they don't even realize it. Or they're playing a math game on the computer. Grady was playing this like planets versus aliens and the aliens, if you got the math problem right, then the aliens were taking over the planet or something crazy like that. And he was learning all these math skills, but his whole goal was to get the Martians to get on the planet. So that was his goal, but the game was going around and just doing straight math facts and making a game out of it. So you can do the same thing by making a story out of when you were feeling that emotion last week or when you were their age, and then they can connect with you because they're like, hey, this person gets me. And then their walls are down. And when their walls are down, vulnerability breeds vulnerability and you have joy and you have connection. And when you have connection, you have cooperation with them. Just have a Rolodex of stories that you can pull from in the moment because when you're in the yellow and red, it's very hard to think clearly, just like it's hard for them to think clearly. So if you plan in advance for an emotion that brings up a lot of emotions for you and high reactivity, be ready for it instead of react, 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 react. You're going to feel like you're playing that whack-a-mole game and you're constantly just putting out fires and putting out fires and putting out fires instead of thinking, okay, when they're feeling angry, that's a hard emotion for me. What am I going to do in advance to be proactive versus reactive? I promise on a stack of Bibles, the more that you can label it, it allows them to get the vocabulary. So next time before they go into yellow red, they will tell you how they're feeling because they will have word power for it. Kids and toddlers cry so much more than when they're a little bit older because they can articulate what's the problem. But when they're not able to talk, they're just like, eh, eh, eh. They're very fussy. They're very eh, 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 E-H, E-H. 
because they don't know how to tell you. That's why baby sign language is so powerful because it allows them to communicate before they have the word power. So as they get older, you're giving them the word power to tell you what they're feeling before it goes haywire. And this is practice, 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 rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And you want them to feel as many human emotions as possible in your four walls because when they're grown and flown, you want to normalize that as much as humanly possible for the 940 Saturdays they're in your four walls. So then when they're grown and flown and they have these tricky emotions and they have anger and they have frustration and they have it with their boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse or professor or coach or boss, they're going to be like, oh, I know what to do with this. I've practiced it for 940 Saturdays. It's not going to come as a surprise to them. They're going to have ability to practice it in the real life. And then they practice it with you where it's safe, where it's loving, where it's comfortable, where we're not modeling anger and frustration, yelling at them, screaming at them, slamming doors. I mean, we can, but then that's just what we're going to teach them is what to do. We're going to put that in their tool belt. So we want to fill their tool belt with as much strategy and as much empowerment. So when it happens when they're in your four walls and when they leave your four walls, they're empowered and not disempowered. And then they're living their life from a proactive way instead of a reactive way. So try this out this week. I want to hear your stories and I'll talk to you next week. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Hey, mamas, thanks for listening. If you had any ahas, clicks, or those lightning bolt moments while listening, you have to check out my free parenting bootcamp where we take all of this to the next level and we try to create even more awakenings for ourselves so that we can connect more with our kids and never yell at them again. You can sign up at www.coachingkelly.com. And if you really want to fill up my love cup, send me an email of what your aha was, what your click was, what was that lightning bolt moment while you were listening. I want nothing more in life than for you to have harmony in your home and to learn how to be an imperfect mom like me, which allows your kids to be imperfect too, each and every day. Thanks for listening.